Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. But if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Who has your Bibles? Let me see them. Hold them up. 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 Put them phones down. What you going to do with that? I'm just kidding. You can use the Cool Church app. Uh, get on there. And for the online campus, I didn't even take a second to, to welcome y'all today. Can we all give it up for our online campus? We love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, reads something like this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the church said, today in this third message on the Holy Spirit in this higher learning series on this graduation Sunday, I've entitled the message this, Graduation Gift. Graduation Gift. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you. I thank you for each and every person that's in this building. I thank you for each and every person watching online. They are family, and I pray that I will lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I thank you for all of our graduates. But God, earthly graduations are amazing, but there's nothing like a spiritual graduation because there's some gifts that come with that. And God, I pray right now that you would, even as I'm saying this prayer, begin to unlock the gifts inside of your children. Gifts that they never knew that they had, but they're gifts that they need to do what you have called them to do. I pray for the one that needs to hear this message the most. I pray, Jesus, you would introduce yourself in a new way. In Jesus' name, and everybody set. Everybody set. Somebody give Jesus some praise in this place. Come on, five seconds. Let's go. I love graduation season, man. It's just a fun time in life because... You see all the work that somebody puts into something, you see all the effort that they put into something, and then you get to see them pass that final test and move on to the next stage of their life. I think my favorite thing about graduation season, if I could be honest, I like the gifts. Like, when you graduate, it's always awesome to get gifts. I was listening, uh, I listened to uh, the, the Ricky Smiley morning show in the morning when I'm driving Vava out to school, right? And they be talking some nonsense. But they had this question, and they said, how much is too much for a graduation gift? Because, you know, it's like some folks be ODing on graduations. And 
Like, some people was mad. They was like, why they getting gifts on graduation? That's what they was supposed to do, right? And then some people was like, yo, somebody works hard, man. Like, you, you, you give them a gift, like, because you want to you wanna encourage them. And you want to show them that, you know, there's somebody that stands behind them, that loves them, that's proud of what they've done. I, I love graduation. I love gifts. I've given some people some gifts on this graduation season. And I never forget, man, like, when I graduated, I got gifts. Let me tell you something. The greatest gift, every graduate going to tell you this right now. The greatest gift you can give a graduate is money. Show me the money. Give me some money, okay? So I like money. That was cool. I remember when I graduated from high school, I loved it because my aunties and my uncles, they all pulled up and they started giving me these cards and I started feeling the weight of those cards. Hallelujah. Because I knew it was something in them and I, lo I loved that. But it blessed me because I was about to be a college kid and I was going to be broke, so I would need all the money that I can get. And the church said, right? So when I graduated high school, I, I got money. Then when I got my bachelor's degree, my parents leveled it up a little bit, right? And they was like, man, son, we so proud of you. And we've been seeing you just work so hard. I had like, there was a time I had four jobs in college. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like I actually had four jobs in college. I was, I was a, let me see, I was a graphic designer. I was a TA. I was a telemarketer and I made and delivered futons while taking 18 credit hours. Houseway, Jesus. Amen. I hustle because I wanted to live and I didn't want to have to put stress on anybody for me to live. So um, when I graduated college, my parents were so proud, they leveled it up. They got me to give, oh man, this, this gift was so far. They got me a car. A 19, now I graduated in, <laughs> I graduated uh, with my bachelor's in 2004. So some of y'all like, you can, wow, your parents love you. They did. They did the best that they, that they could with me. They gave me a 1992 Toyota Corolla. I was so thankful. When you riding a bike everywhere, or when you walking, that 1992 Toyota Corolla is like a Bentley, and the church said, shoot. I put my own little stereo system in that thing. Got some new hubcaps because I couldn't afford rims. I painted that thing. I was proud of my little roller. Don't be mad at the roller. It's proud of my roller. Um, and yeah, man, I, 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 I drove that thing. I drove that thing so much. I had a million miles on it. At one point, I drove it so much that it could only go backwards. It couldn't go forwards anymore. It was. But I love that car, man. I love that car. Thank you, parents, for my, my beautiful graduation gift. I, I loved it so much. Thank you, mom and dad. I appreciate y'all. And then when I graduated with my master's, you know, the gift stopped coming. The only gift I got was a bill. So it's time to pay this stuff back, son. But I love graduation gifts. And so many people get so many different kinds of gifts. Some people get money, some people get cars, some people get trips, some people get celebrations. And here's the thing, if somebody does good, let them know that they've done good. Encourage them. And the church said, come on, man. Give people motivation to keep on going. But as great as all those things are, I love God because he takes us through different seasons of life. And how many of you know that when you graduate, God has gifts for you? God has so many gifts for you. Our God is proud of us when we go to the next level. You say, how do I know that? 
There was 44 people that went to another level yesterday in baptism. And we should clap a little harder than that. And here's my thing. How do I know God is proud? When Jesus himself gets baptized, the heavens open up and everybody hears God and it probably sounded like the voice of Mufasa. And he said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. When we do things out of obedience to God, not only is he pleased with us, he is proud of us. And when you graduate to another level in life, there are gifts that come with the graduation. Now we all want gifts. Who wants gifts? And, and, and come on, be honest, don't, don't be so safe. Oh no, I don't want it, you can keep it for you, don't lie. No line, church. We all want gifts, but here's the thing about the gifts that God gives you. When God gives you gifts, he doesn't just give you what you want. He gives you the best gifts because he gives you what you need to do what he has called you to do. God will always give you what you need to do what he has called you to do. And God is so proud of us when he graduates. He wants you to give, he wants you to get the best gifts. How do I know that? Look at what Matthew 7:11 says. If you then, it's talking about us, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Amen. So we know that God is a good gift giver. We want gifts, but God gives us gifts in order to walk out our purpose. But here's the thing, with God, when he gives you gifts, you have to understand the difference. Because there's a big difference between what you want to do and what God wants to do through you. There's a huge difference. There's a difference between what you want to do and what you're born to do. Right? There's some people that want to sing. But you were not born to make a joyful noise. There's a lot of people that want to do a lot of things, but there's a difference between what you want to do and what you are born to do. And here's the major difference. It's not a talent thing. It's not a gift thing. Uh, what, what you want to do most of the time will benefit you. What God wants you to do will always benefit somebody else. That's the key difference. What I desire, of course, I want the best for me. God doesn't want, just want the best for you. He wants the best for everybody around you. And he's going to use you to do it, right? So as a believer, I got to ask myself, because when you're a believer, you die to self, so you know it's no longer about you. Ask yourself this question. How are your gifts benefiting the people around you? Do your gifts only benefit you? Or are they benefiting the people that are around you? Like, I know our gifts are for the benefit of the greater good. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. Didn't say that the gifts of the Spirit were given to you for yourself says the gifts are given for the common good. What happens? Jesus saves us, he changes us, empowers us, and gives us gifts to do what? Good. Amen? 
Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's, I love this, this verse. Some versions say handiwork. Others say we are God's masterpiece created to do good work in Christ Jesus that he prepared for us, that he prepared for us in advance to do. So God has prepared in advance for his children to do good work. And when you graduate to the ranks of a Christ follower, God will gift you and he will equip you and empower you through his Holy Spirit to do exactly what you were born to do. Amen? So let me tell you three graduation gifts that God loves to give. You ready? This is where you should take notes. It's good. And if you don't have notes, just look in the Cool Church app. The notes are there. The first set of gifts God wants to give you. God gives motivational gifts to motivate others. Somebody say motivational gifts. Say motivational gifts. Look at your neighbor. Say motivational gifts. Look at your other neighbor. The one you don't like so much because you picked them second. Say motivational gifts. <laughs> First Corinthians 12, 4. Let's teach a little bit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. So when we talk about motivational gifts, here's, here's the why behind the motivational gifts. These gifts describe and they teach us how God works in a believer to shape his perspective on life and motivate his words and his Actions. Look at what Romans 12, 6 through 8 says. A lot of scripture today. We have different gifts. These are the motivational gifts I'm about to read to you. According to the grace given to each of us. Grace. That word grace in the Greek is karos. It means power. Sometimes we talk about grace and it means unmerited favor. Getting something you don't deserve. In this tense, it means power. What? The power of the Holy Spirit will come on you and it will grace you and equip you to do a task. Amen? So, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen? So let's go through the gifts, because there's a lot of different gifts that God wants to give us. There's people in this room, you got saved and changed by the power of Jesus Christ, and you like, yo, I want to do more. I want to operate uh, and do some kingdom work, man. I want God to elevate me. But you have to use the gifts that he have gave you. And here's the thing that I would encourage every, every single person in this room to do. If you have not done it, after, right after this service, you should go to Cool Culture class. And if you have not gone, you should go, because they do something called the spiritual gifts test. And let me tell you something. If you want to start operating in the gifts that God has given you, you must first identify the gifts that God has given you. Amen? This test, I've done this assessment, and what you find is even in different seasons of life when you take the test, not only will God reveal some of the same gifts, but in different seasons, you might find yourself operating in a new gift to do what God has called you to do. And I don't know about you, I, listen, I don't want to just get saved and live like on, on, on ground level salvation. I want to get saved and then I want everything God wants to give me after that. Like some of you, oh, I got saved by Jesus, that's good. Okay, that's cute. But why live at one level when God wants you to live at another? 
You can't do it without his gift. So I would implore you after this service. The, the room is literally like right around the corner. Go in there, say, I want my, my spiritual gifts test. Just ask just like that. No, don't ask like that. Be nice. Say, can I have my spiritual gifts assessment? Because there's a crew that wants to give you that assessment so we can start to unlock these gifts that I'm about to talk about today. Amen? So there's motivational gifts. These gifts sort of motivate. The first gift that we hear about in 1 Corinthians 12 is the gift of prophecy. Excuse me, Romans 12. Prophecy. What does prophecy do? Prophecy is about revealing the truth by exposing, by exposing things. Sometimes some sin is going to have to get exposed uh, in your life. Somebody's going to have to get real with you. They're going to have to tell you some things about you. But it's also, why must things be exposed? So that the fellowship or the church or the body gets guidance. People prophesy in order to guide the body of Christ. And the New Testament prophet, I just want to say this, is an encourager. Okay, sometimes God has given y'all a word of prophecy for somebody, but you've been scared to share it. Here's my thing. Ask yourself before you give the word that you want to give, is it going to build somebody up or is it going to tear them down? Because when you prophesy to somebody, if the goal is to build them up, then the prophecy should get them back on the right direction or encourage them to let them know that they are going in the right direction already. See, some people have used the gift of prophecy in weird ways and they use it to tear people down. If I'm prophesying and I tear somebody down, then how are they going to get to where God wants them to go? I'm prophesying to realign somebody with the will of God so they can move forward in the kingdom, not backwards. And the church said... The gift of prophecy should help encourage people to move towards God's will, not their own. But then there's the gift of serving. And man, once again, I want to thank everybody that came in here, man. So many people serve just to get us to the place that we are today. And serving demonstrates, I, I love this, love by meeting practical needs. How many of you know we can't just say we love somebody? You show love best when you serve someone. Serve people. Serving is an act of love. It's practical needs used for tangible work. But then there's a gift of teaching. It's what I'm doing right now. It, it discovers and, and, and it validates truth so that the church can maintain accuracy. What, what am I saying? Let me tell you something. Jesus said in the last times there's going to be many wolves in sheep's clothing. People going to come. And they're going to try to cause dissension, dis disruption, and disunity in God's house by teaching the wrong thing. Here's how you check any teacher. Go to God's word yourself. If I'm preaching this word properly, then the things that I say should align with God's word. Amen? Not some weird doctrine that I'm preaching out of my own spirit. Anytime somebody gives you the word, and I'm telling you this, please fact check me. I ain't scared of y'all checking my work because I know I'm a good student of God's word. And here's the thing. Am I perfect? No, but I'm humble enough to say, you know what, God, continue to teach me so that I can teach others. You can't teach anybody when you think you know everything yourself. The greatest teachers are the most humble teachers. So we teach, I'm teaching you in order to, 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 to keep some integrity to this doctrine and this gospel that we preach. So we all not walking out of here saying crazy stuff. We're all saying what's in God's word. Amen. Exhort. It's another gift. 
is to encourage the body to grow spiritually by discipling, teaching, and counseling others. Some of us have a gift of exhortation. We know how to put our words together to encourage people, to teach people, to disciple people. You might be that friend that everybody goes to because it seems like you always got that encouraging word. Well, then God might be have given you a gift to exhort to others. Do not silence the gift when God gives you words to speak. You speak it and use the gift. Amen? Some people have a gift of giving. Like, all right, we love Jesus. We all like to give. Amen? But some people are gifted at it. Like they give, they don't just give what is required, they give over and above. There are business leaders that are a part of this church community that you don't even know, you don't even realize, but they give to this house above and beyond because why? God has blessed them to be a blessing, but it's not just a monetary thing. There are people in this room right now where you won't have anything else to give, but you're going to give the shirt off your back to make sure somebody's okay because God has literally put it in your spirit to be a generous person at all times. If you are overwhelming in generosity, you might have the gift of giving. This is, this is the person that, that conserves and stewards well, right, so that they can share their resources to help meet the needs of the kingdom. But then some people have a gift in organizing. I love this because they carry out projects by recruiting others by recruiting others, right, to do the work, and they organize the task or they delegate responsibilities. There's people in the church that are great at it. I don't know if she's sitting in this room right now, but Mitzi, oh, there she is right there. You're a great organizer. Everything this, this, this woman of God does, 100 people show up. I'm like, yo, Mitzi, like, you got, you got a gift. It's not just a gift of a gatherer, it's a gift of an organizer. Like, if Mitzi say we're going to play volleyball, 30 people come in to show up play volleyball. Which is why Mitzi is such an integral part of our Cool Cares, because she gathers different people from the congregation, and if you've ever served, more than likely you've seen her, because she has the gift of an organizer to bring God's people together to do kingdom work. And the church said, y'all give it up for Mitzi one time. I'm so glad you were sitting right there. Just on my spirit. I wasn't planning on saying that. You was just right there. Praise God. Some people have the gift of mercy. I love this because they demonstrate God's love and compassion by responding to hurt. It's those people that show up first for everything. Somebody passes away, they write, they write there. Somebody's in the hospital. They go in to visit the sick and the shut-in. They bring in the medicine with them. They take, there's the people that, that, that have that instinct to just take care of people when they are hurting, when they are lowest. They do what Jesus says to do. They mourn with those who mourn. I love people with a gift of mercy because when things get hardest for everybody else, they take that pain on themselves and they make sure that they are there when somebody just needs them to be there. And the church said, they demonstrate God's love and compassion by responding to hurt. So these are the seven motivational gifts. But if you read Romans 12, 5, which is before verses six and seven that I just read, I want you to understand about the context that these gifts should be used in. Because it gives the gifts in verses six and seven, but verse five gives the context that the gifts should be used. Listen to this, Romans 12, five. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. That's a good place to say amen. So 
You don't get the gift of prophecy for yourself, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, organizing, or mercy for yourself. You get them in context to you serving the body of Christ. So in Christ, though many form one body, each member, I love this, it says we belong to one another. We can't be selfish if we belong to one another, right? We belong to one another. So when you operate in these gifts, your brothers with your brothers and sisters, here's what happens. If we belong to one another and I'm using my gifts to bless you, who am I ultimately blessing? Myself. Yes, you are blessing Jesus. But if we belong to one another, if we are a part of one body, and I use the gifts to bless you, if we are a part of the same body, if I'm blessing you, aren't I getting blessed in return? My blessing that I received is in the act of using the gift that God has given me. Some of you looking for a blessing. The easiest way for you to find a blessing is to be a blessing to somebody else. Your blessing will come when you use the spiritual gifts inside of you to bless somebody else. So when we use these gifts, we got to use it in the context of family. And I love it because when you use these gifts, if the Holy Spirit truly is operating in you, these are gifts of the Spirit, but you should be using the fruit of the Spirit to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Because the character of the Spirit should come out anytime you use these gifts. So if you prophesy, you should prophesy with gentleness, a fruit of the Spirit, to build people up the way you want to be built up. You want somebody coming at you with old stinking prophecy? No! Be gentle and encourage them to give them guidance back to where God wants them to go. And the church said, if you serve, serve with what? Love. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And have some consideration about the way you want to be served and serve somebody else that way. If you teach, teach with patience. Don't get frustrated with your brother. Like, we got new brothers and sisters, man, they're a part of this house. Some of them just got baptized and they trying to live the right way. But we might see them do something off. We're like, oh, I thought you just got baptized. Don't be coming to people like that. Because some people don't even know they're doing something wrong yet. But if we are patient with them, we can teach them the ways of God. Why she dressing like that? She just got, maybe baby girl, maybe that's all baby girl got to wear. Why, why don't you help out a little bit instead of judging her? Thank you. If you're going to exhort, do it with joy. My team laughs at me because they're like, man, you excited about everything. Why not? Who wants to come to a boring church? If I came up here every week like, all right, cool church, I'm about to teach y'all something. If you like something, just say preach it baldy. Nobody wants that. You want somebody with some joy in their spirit. The joy of the Lord gives me strength. So when I, when I exhort, I do it with energy. I do it with passion. I do it with joy because I'm not doing it unto myself. I'm doing it unto the Lord. Encourage people the way you want to be encouraged. You look nice today. No, you look great today. That's so much, that's so different. If you're going to give, give with goodness so that you can bless others the way that you want to be blessed. Give out of a good, a pure heart. If you're going to organize, man, do it with peace, but also do it with some self-control. 
peace, why? Because you bring peace to the group. Self-control, why? So you don't manipulate others. Because if you gathering people to just manipulate them and have them doing what you want to do, that is not a fruit of the spirit. Right? You want to unite people the way that you want to be united. And if you're going to show mercy, do it with kindness. And do it with faithfulness. Like, don't just do it one time. If it's who you are, let, let, let it faithfully come out at all times, man. There's some people in this church, and they show up every, like Miss Padrica. I'm looking at her on the front row, man. When somebody hurt, she'd be the first one to show up. She's, and like, she ain't just, show, she ain't just showing up. Usually, she gonna show up with something. Because that's just the kind of person that she is. She has a gift of mercy on her. She hurts when people hurt, and she wants to do whatever she can do to make sure that they feel better. And the church said, use the gifts to help the body, not hurt the body, because when you hurt the body, you hurt yourself. Second set of gifts that God wants to give you. He doesn't just want to give you uh, motivational gifts. He wants to give you, God gives ministry gifts to serve to serve the body. Ministry gifts. What's the difference with motivational gifts and ministry gifts? Let's get into it. First Corinthians. Y'all getting something from this? I just want to make sure people are learning some stuff. I know I'm not being preachy, but you got to learn what God's word says. If I'm hooting and hollering and ain't saying nothing, what are you getting from it? Nothing. Okay. So, 1 Corinthians 12.5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So, these ministry gifts, they're a service to the body. And it's how God works with a believer, or what a believer does to serve and meet the needs of others, or meet the needs of the body. So when we talk about ministry gifts, there are five different offices in ministry, okay, that the Apostle Paul talks about in context to these spiritual gifts. And they're found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Go fact check it, man. Just don't take my word for it. You can find them in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to do what? Equip people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, right? Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. These ministry gifts are different than the other gifts that I'm going to talk about because these gifts are meant to balance out the body of Christ. But not only are these gifts meant to balance out the body, they're, they're actual offices within the church. They're positions within the church. How many of you know you ain't got to preach to preach? You can preach with your life, right? But some people are specifically called to a ministry position. Like, you can be a doctor, but man, you can preach with the way that you serve the people that you are helping. You can work for the post office and you can preach with the way you do your job. You could be a teacher and you could preach with the attitude in which you teach your students. But some people, like your pastors, are called to a ministry position. 
And the easiest way to talk about a ministry position is to use your hand. Last week I made you hold up your hand. Hold up your hand again. I ain't gonna make you go like this this week, right? But if you hold up your hand, this is the easiest way to remember the five-fold ministry. There's apostles, that's your thumb, shake your thumb. There's prophets, that's your pointer finger, right? There are evangelists, that's your middle finger. There are pastors, that's your ring finger. And then there's teachers, that's your pinky finger. Let's talk about the offices. They call it the five-fold ministry. This is still in operation today, the five-fold ministry. So the apostle, he's our thumb. He's the governing body. The apostle, for example, we always say things like the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he went on three different missionary journeys, and you know what he did? He went from place to place setting up churches. Not only did he start churches, he, he provided the guidelines in which a church should operate. He set up the doctrine, he gave them proper theology, and then he put people in place to run the church after he went to go start another church. So the Apostle Paul, he was like the governor of this thing. And I'll give you a, a, a better definition of it. They lay the foundational work, the doctrine and structure of the church. And what they also do, apostles, they give continual oversight to this body. We have a governing board at this church, and there are people, men and women, that are in an apostolic role at this house so that they continue to make sure there's accountability between me and Joanne. So God forbid Joanne and I ever act crazy, which I'm believing we won't in the mighty name of Jesus. There are people in place to make sure that we are held accountable so that God's people can continue to move forward in this house. And the church said, we not operating like a dictatorship here. I ain't got the power. As a matter of fact, this ain't my church. It's God's church. You have more power in the church than me. Why? Because it is our job to serve you. And there's a governing body that holds us accountable. That's your apostles. But then your prophets, you look at your prophet like what? The pointer finger, right? The prophet. I love the prophet because if the apostle governs, then the prophet guides. He can point, the prophet points you in the right direction, right? Because the prophet is there to give you guidance. They're responsible with keeping the body in line with God's word through encouragement and correction. Once again, Paul, not only did he operate as an apostle, he also had a prophetic role because when the churches was cutting up, he's like, hey man, I'm telling y'all this in love, we gotta tighten up. We gotta be better. And the New Testament prophet encourages us in such a way to get us back in line with what God has called us to, amen? So we got the apostle, we got the prophet, now we got the evangelist. Do you notice something about my middle finger? And uh, <laughs> that's an awkward statement to make. But if you notice something about anybody's middle finger, it's the longest finger you have. So this is the, the role of the evangelist because if the apostle governs and the prophet guides, the evangelist gathers. Why is the longest finger the gathering finger? Because it has the farthest reach. It has the farthest, it gets far. I've, I've operated in the role of evangelists, and there's been evangelists that have come to this church. They're the guys that come in. They preach, they blow it up. And you're like, man, why he can't preach or she can't preach every Sunday? Because you know, 
They be given a word directly from God for right where you are. And usually when you have an evangelistic calling, there's a massive uh, a connection to soul winning in all of your preaching. So when you go into a place, the pastor, he's, he's, he's helping guide the flock, but the evangelist comes in to give a surge of energy to a congregation. The evangelist also comes in to go out to places that nobody else is going. Why? Because they're trying to reach people that nobody else is reaching. The evangelist, his goal is to win the lost at all costs. The evangelist going to go out there, they're going to preach, and they're going to make sure, whether they're standing on a street corner or a pulpit, they're going to make sure that somebody finds Jesus. Side note, with the evangelist, yes, it is an office, but I do believe that all of us are required to be evangelists in a certain capacity, and I would say that everybody in this room should be a relational evangelist. Because, why? I'm a pastor, so I sit here, people come here, and I preach a message about Jesus, and people get saved, but guess what? I can't go into your workplace. I can't go into your home unless you invite me. I can't go to your school, right? So you are called to be a relational evangelist, which means wherever you go, God has given you access to a certain group of people because he wants you to show them who he is in spaces that the pastor cannot get to. So all called to be evangelists in some capacity, but there are some dudes that are called to evangelism and they blow up everywhere they go and it's an amazing thing. So. You got the governor, you got the guidance, you got the gatherer, and then you got the pastor. This is me and Pastor Joe, right? Why is the pastor the ring finger? Because, man, we married to y'all. We are here. We ain't just start a church. We decided to start a church in Miramar because God wanted to marry us to this city because there was a work that needed to happen in this city that wasn't happening before. So God says, I'm a plant y'all right here. So we ain't going all over the place preaching the gospel. God says, hey, I'm a, I'm a plant you right here. You can grow. Here's the thing about being planted. Plants, when you plant them, you know what they're supposed to do? What do you see this house doing all the time? That's how you know you got a healthy plant. So we're, we're married to you guys. It's, it's, our, it's, it's our ring finger. So if the apostle governs and the prophet guides and the evangelist grows, what is the pastor's role? To ground you. Some of us need to be grounded. We are, we are boots on the ground right here in Miramar, and God is growing us to other places. But there's a grounding. Why? Because if Jesus is the shepherd, we are the under-shepherd. We are the under-shepherd to God's people, and we are here to serve you. We are married to the flock. We are given the task of guidance, instruction, and caring for God's people in a specific place. So the pastor, we are, listen, if y'all leave us, we going with you. Because we, we're, 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 we're married to what's happening to you and your family. That's why we have decided to build strong families and build strong futures right here in this city of Miramar until God calls us home. He may take us all over the world, and there might be cool churches in many different places, but what I'm telling you is our headquarters, our home is right here. We are grounded. We are married to this community, and we still believe that God has called us, no matter how much he grows us, to be the miracle in Miramar, because Miramar always needs a miracle if you believe it say amen but last but not least and it might seem like the most insignificant is the teacher but I promise you it's not it's 
what I'm kind of doing a little bit of today. If the apostle governs and the prophet gives guidance and the evangelist grows and the pastor grounds, the teacher, the pinky, it guards. Why is it guard? Because it may be the smallest of all the fingers, but it provides balance and protection for the body of Christ by teaching and educating through God's word. The greatest thing I can do as a teacher of the word is teach you how to read this word for yourself and teach you how to decipher this word for yourself so that people with a casual knowledge of God or people that mean to do you harm through manipulation, if I teach you well, then I'm teaching you how to put on the full armor of God to be able to guard yourself from folks that want to manipulate you with God's word instead of encourage you with God's word. So the teacher may seem like the smallest, but the teacher is literally, we need an army of gospel teachers, which is why we have UBC Ugly Bible Club on Wednesday nights. Any UBC folks out there, come on, make some noise. People are learning God's word, man. We need people to learn God's word because we don't want people to take advantage of God's people. And the teachers help us to do that. Here's what I want to say about this set of gifts. And listen to me clearly because I've heard this nonsense too many times in church. People calling themselves all kinds of stuff in God's church that God never called them to. A person does not call or appoint himself to any of the fivefold ministry. I'm going to say that again for somebody to hear me that didn't hear me the first time. A person does not call himself or herself to any of the fivefold ministry. It's a gift or a call from Christ himself and in time is confirmed by other believers. I ain't put myself here. If you would have asked me 18 years ago, this would have been the last thing that I would have decided to do with my life. But when the gift started to come up, many believers, spiritual leaders, men and women of God that have done this way longer than me began to confirm the call and provide opportunities for me to operate in the gift that God has given me. I never one day said, I'm about to be a pastor and start a church. Somebody called it out of me because God showed somebody and they had some discernment in the spirit to say that young man and that young woman have a pastoral calling on their life and we need to encourage it so that the body, so that the kingdom can grow. Too often I've seen people calling themselves apostles and I'm like, what church did you start? Like people calling themselves all kinds of things, but they don't even meet the basic requirements of what God is saying for them to operate in the calling. Let me tell you how you know that you are called, because when you are called, you will never call yourself. God will call you. How do I know? Because 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Some people have said, man, I don't want to go on God's time, so I'm going to lift myself up. You better watch people like that, because those folks aren't called. God says, humble yourself. Humble yourself, and I will call you in due time. Here's what I want to say. Hear me out. Don't give yourself a title the Spirit never gave you. See, that happened a lot in the body. And here's the thing. 
If you knew what came with the title, you'd never ask for it. Pastor T, man, when are you going to let me preach? Never. Because it is not up to me to let you preach. You must be called. If you want this microphone so bad, you probably shouldn't have it. Don't put yourself in a position the Spirit never called you to. Because if you understood the sacrifice that comes with it, you, you, would, you would never willingly just ask for this. Lastly, last set of gifts. And these are the ones that, all of these gifts are amazing, but these are the ones I really want you to get excited about. God gives manifestation gifts to do the work of demonstration. We got motivational gifts. We got to motivate the body. We got ministry gifts. We got to manage the body. But then there's manifestation gifts for the purpose of demonstration in the kingdom. This is what sets Christians apart from everybody else. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, there are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. The same God at work. He uses us, but he's the one that's doing the work. The manifestation gifts ain't so you could get a pat on the back. The manifestation gifts should always point back to God because when people see what God does through you, they got to be like, man, that must be God. Right? It's how God works through believers in a given situation to demonstrate his supernatural power. Supernatural power. And let's read what they are. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, 11 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous power. To another, prophecy. Some of the gifts, they cross places. You see them multiple times. To another, distinguishing of the spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Manifestation gifts. I'm going to go through them quick. Words of wisdom. You know what that is? Knowing what to say at the right time. You know those people that just always know the right thing to say? They probably got a gift of wisdom. Why? Because you know what the Bible tells us to do? Be slow to speak. When you got a gift of wisdom, you don't say everything. You don't put your foot in your mouth often. Why? Because you choose your words carefully. I love Dr. King. I know he had a gift of wisdom because when people would sit down in meetings with him, they said he wouldn't say anything. He let everybody talk. We should do this. We should do that. We should do this. We should do that. And then finally, at the end of the meeting, everybody was like, Dr. King, so what you think? He would wait till he was asked. And he would say, this is how I believe that we should move. And every time, everybody would be like, man, he didn't have much to say, but what he said was right. You know why? Because he had a spirit of wisdom. A word of knowledge. These are the prophets that scare you. Because they got revelation. 
God gives them specific revelation. I'm talking about facts, about past, present, and future. It's the prophet that'll come up in this joint and be like, on January 12th, 2019, you was in your uh, Ninja Turtle pajamas and you lied to your mama. They'll tell you specific things about yourself. And you know it's a gift of God because you don't even know these people from anywhere. I had, I had, I had a, a prophet come to me with a gift of knowledge before I ever started speaking the word of God. I was serving in church. I was serving in a youth group. And I was kind of just playing around, not really taking it serious. This man from California that I had never met in my life, he came to our church and he looked me straight in the eye and he said, you got a call on your life to be a minister of God and you're supposed to be a youth pastor, but for whatever reason, because of whatever your degrees are, you've been running from God thinking that it's not what you're supposed to do, but you've been very close to youth and I don't even know you, but I do know that you are called to pastor them. That man ain't know me from nobody. But he knew and he told me I was running from God. I was like, Lord, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop running today. Because when you get a word of knowledge like that, the worst thing you can do is to hear the will of God and run from the will of God. Word of knowledge. Then faith. This ain't like normal faith. For you to receive Jesus, you got to have a measure of faith. But I'm talking about crazy faith. I'm talking about faith that don't make sense. This is the kind of faith when everybody stop believing, you still believing because you know what God said. It's the kind of faith that you need to move mountains. It's the kind of faith that you need to see people come back from the dead. It's the kind of faith to see people sit up in a hospital bed. It's the kind of faith to know that God is going to supply each and every need according to his riches and glory. So when the bank account says zero, you say, ha ha, I ain't even worried about that because my my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and if my God's got it, I got it. If you believe it, say amen. Faith that don't make so no sense. It's like a sudden surge of faith. It's like a superpower of faith. It's an extra faith that God throws on you in crisis to confidently believe without doubt. Some of us have the gift of healing in this room. Some of us just got healing hands. Listen. Stop thinking that this stuff is just happening in the Bible and it shouldn't happen today. Listen, we should be able to walk in certain places. If somebody say, hey, I'm sick, you should put your hand on them in Jesus' name and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Don't be scared of that. Like, like we have that power in us. Like, if you knew you could heal somebody, wouldn't you do it? Like, oh, I just... Like, I, I, want, I want when I pray, as a matter of fact, I don't even want to have to touch people and get healed. I just want my shadow to pass. There was, a, there was a woman yesterday at baptism. And her name is Millie. She might be sitting in this place today. And she got baptized. And I saw, I saw Millie when I was walking up to the baptism. She was sitting there with her family. She's like, Pastor T, I said, hey. She's like, I'm so excited today. I'm about to get baptized, right? I was like, Millie, oh, it's about to be the best day of your life. So I don't know, I've never met Millie, right? But I passed by Millie, had a conversation. I baptized Millie. After I baptized Millie, she came up to me and Pastor Joe. She was like, Pastor, I got a testimony. I said, well, testify. She said, Pastor, you don't know me like that but I usually walk with a walker. And this whole time you've seen me, I 
didn't have my walker. She was like, I ain't even realizing. One of my family members was like, Millie, where your walker? And she started moving her leg. She said, well, I must have got healed in the name of Jesus. And I didn't even realize it. I would like to think that maybe my shadow passed by. I would just like to think that there's a gift of healing in this house. And we ain't even got to touch people. But when we in their presence, they can feel the healing power of God if you believe it. Say amen. Some gifts you don't even know you got till you see that manifestation happen. Jesus. Then there's a gift of miracles. The work. This is, this is to be a physical conduit of God's power. I, I want to be the kind of person that people want me to walk into the room because they know when I walk in, miracles about to happen. I don't want to be the one that walk in. They're like, no, nah, you should leave. <laughs> When I walk in, I, I want, you know what I want? I want when I walk into the room, not me, I want the spirit in me to set a level of expectation. Like, man, anything can happen. Don't you want that to be you too? Don't you just want to walk in the room and lift the room? The spirit in you can literally lift the room if you have the power of working miracles. Power of prophecy, here we go, it's, it's coming back again. It's, I love it. Here's a better explanation. It's directly proclaiming the mind of God. Directly proclaiming the mind of God by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you tap into it, it's going to connect you with God's will and you'll be able to speak that out to people that need to hear it the most. Once again, sometimes for correction, often more for encouragement in order to guide the body in the direction of the will of God. What better way to help somebody find the will of God than to get a direct download of the will of God from God himself and speak it out through the power of the Holy Spirit? I want that in my life. Discerning of the spirits. Oh, we need this. To know immediately what is motivating a person or a situation. I want to be able to call a spade a spade. I don't want nobody to get over on me. I want to see people. I want to say, mm. Holy Spirit said, nah, bro, I'm out. Like some of us would do well with the spirit, uh, with discernment because we be dating people and we be all over the place because we have no discernment. God could have had you avoid months or years of hurt if you just had a little more discernment. Some of us got in bad business deals, no discernment. Some of us moved places we shouldn't have moved to, no discernment. Some of us got involved in things we should not have gotten involved in. I'm here to tell you today, you can pray for the power of discernment to fall on you and God will help you see things that other people can't see about other people. Diverse kinds of tongues, speaking in tongues, is speaking in a heavenly or earthly language that may be foreign to you. Maybe somebody else might know it, you might not know it, but you're speaking it out your mind. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that when we speak in tongues, we are praying the direct will of God. I may not know what to say. I may not know what to pray, but I pray in tongues. Why don't I do it out loud in front of the body? Because if I do it out loud in front of the body, then the next gift has to take place. Somebody has to have interpretation of tongues because the Bible says if I speak out in those tongues and there is no interpretation of tongues, then it does not edify the body. 
the entire body must be edified. So usually when I speak in tongues, if you ever see me, I don't do it on, on mic or I'll do it off to the side or I'll do it by myself or I'll do it in a group of a bunch of people where nobody can really hear or understand what I'm saying. Why? Because I'm not worrying about what you hear. I'm worrying about what God hears coming from my mouth. But if I do it out loud on the microphone like this, we will stop the entire service and I will wait. I will wait for an interpretation to go forth. Why? Because if God prompts me to do that, then that means there is a message he wants all of us to hear. And somebody needs to be able to interpret that. Interpretation of tongues. The ability to decipher the other language uh, in order. Why? To what? Build the body of Christ. Amen? Just teaching y'all a little bit. I love these gifts because... Some of these gifts, man, it's like, you're talking about people getting healed, you're talking about miracles, you're talking about speaking in tongues. You know what it is? It's a manifestation. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's coming out of you. And when people see it, they're like, yo, what's going on over there? Why, why homeboy and homegirl able to heal somebody? Why are they speaking in this other language? Why are they prophesying like that? It's, it's, you know what it is? It's physical evidence of the Spirit working within you. Now, here's the thing. Do you need to speak in tongues to go to heaven? No. Do you need to prophesy to go to heaven? No. Do you need to heal to go to heaven? No. But before I get to heaven, I want everybody to see the Spirit working in me because I don't want to just be like any other old person that's walking out here. I want them to say, that's a man of God that walked the face of the earth. And I know because I've seen the gifts manifest in his life. Do I need it to get to heaven? No. But I want to be walking evidence of God's work in me. For I love, I love it because it's amazing that God can do anything, but he chooses to allow his spirit to operate in us to do stuff through us. He don't need us. Like God made a donkey talk in the Bible. Go read it. He don't need us. He wants to do stuff through us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love, I love this because 1 Corinthians 12, 7, excuse me, 12, 11 says, all these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them, each one, as he determines. He distributes them, each one, as he determines. God, when you get saved, there's a measure of the Spirit that God is in you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says there's a deposit of the Spirit inside of all of us guaranteeing what is to come. There's a part of heaven inside of you that wants to get back there. There's a, there's a measure of the Spirit in you for you to even accept Jesus. But God does not want you to stay with that same measure. He wants to grow that measure. How do you grow the gifts inside of you? You, the Spirit won't work in you if you don't do work. The Spirit won't work in you if you don't do work. The truth is, you have to work the gift to see the gift work in you. If you want to grow it, you got to work it. If you want to see the full benefit of it, you can't just leave it how it was day one. You got to work that thing. I'll give you an example. So my wife, man, I love her. She's awesome. My honey-do list is long. But I love it because I just love to make that girl happy. So our guest room in our house, we were redoing it the other day. 
And my wife, you know, she's an amazing designer. She's like, I got an idea. I don't want to just use regular paint on the walls. I want to use this stuff called lime wash. Y'all ever heard of lime wash? I didn't. But I was like, whatever. All right, let's, let's try it. But see, I started doing research on lime wash when she told me. And I was like, uh, you sure you want to use this stuff? Because I feel like you got to be a professional. Like, I'm, I'm a basic level painter. Like, I'll put, you know, one, you know, put the primer on. And now I'm lazy. I don't even get the primer no more. I get the paint with the primer. You know what I'm talking about? I, put, I roll that on one time, two times, I'm out. Like, whoo, look at this room I painted. Right? She said, no, 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 I want this lime wash. I'm like, babe, like, it's going to take a lot. I know she was getting frustrated with me because I was getting, I was like, you sure you, like, you sure you want this? Like, like, baby, this is, she's like, no, I want a lime wash because it'll give like a nice texture on the wall when it's done. And I'm like, yeah, but like, it's going to require a lot. I started reading about lime wash and it's like, you got to put three to four coats of paint on for lime wash to even take effect. So I started with a lime wash primer. And if you don't know what lime wash is, it's literally crushed up limestone. It's ground so fine and it's, it's, it's mixed with an agent so that it sticks to your walls. So it's, it's just literal stone. It's, it's natural. It's not like regular latex paint, right? So I was like, all right, bet. I'm going I'm to I'm do it. So I already had latex paint on my wall, so I had to put lime wash primer. That's coat number one on the wall. I put it on the wall. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks so terrible. Like, why, why did I get into this, right? So then... I put on the first coat of lime wash after the prim after the lime wash primer, special primer, everything. So there's two coats of paint on this wall. And let me well, show them that first picture. So I'm looking at it, I'm like, Joanne, you still, you, you sure you wanna go forward with this? Cause this look a hot mess right now. It's like the walls look all patchy and stuff. I'm like, I don't think it's supposed to look like this. She's like, Terrence, I know what I want. I just, listen, and she knew cause she did the research. Show them the second picture. Yeah. So if you look at it, it's like ashy. It's like I can see all the strokes and stuff. And like, and it's really, it's, it's, it's almost just translucent. So you can like see through it. I'm like, I don't like how this looks. But I'm like, girl, if you want it, I'm going to keep on going. So I put the second coat on. I was like, right, it's kind of looking like something. I put the third coat on. And between every coat, you got to wait 24 hours. Yeah, so I'm like, I want it now, you know what I'm saying? I put it out, wait another day, put the third coat on, I'm like, uh. The last coat, you have to mix it with something called a densifier. And when you mix it with the densifier, it changes how thick the paint is. So I put on this last coat, I put it on, I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks a hot mess. And I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning after this thing had dried and I said, why look like I got like suede on my walls right now? I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's look fat. I like this line wash. I went to join, I was like, it was a good idea for me to uh, uh, do this line wash. I'm so glad you listened to me. Let me show you what the room look like now. Go ahead, show them the next one. By the time we were done with this lime wash, it created this beautiful zen-like calm study for my love. But that's not what I saw when I started. What I saw when I started, I was like, man, I, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is enough. But 
when I saw the finished product, when I woke up in the morning, I heard the Spirit speak to me so clearly. And he said, son, sometimes you just got to put in the work if you want to see the result. And it might not look good while you're putting in the work. It might frustrate you. But I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit is the same way. The Holy Spirit works in you when you put in the work. Somebody out there says, I got gifts, but they're not manifesting the way that I want them to manifest. And I'm here to tell you, some of you have not leaned into the gift that the Spirit has given you long enough to see the Spirit manifest in you the way that you're looking for it to manifest. Sometimes it's going take a day. Sometime it's going to take two days. Sometime it's going to take a week. Sometime it's going to take a month. I'm here to tell you, it's taken years for me to get to where I've gotten to in the spirit. And every day I wake up, I say, God, thank you for revealing more of your spirit within me. But I'm having patience today, knowing that there's still things that God wants to show through me if I put in the work. Because when you work, the spirit works. If you believe it, say amen. You can't fully understand the power of the gift God has given you until you work the gift that God has given you. Hard work plus the Holy Spirit is the combination, the winning combination that reveals your true potential. You got to work the gifts you have because if you work the gifts in time, with the power of the Holy Spirit, your gifts will reveal what you were born on this earth to do. Hear me, fam. If you don't know what you were born to do, you need to pray. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal in me. Reveal in me what you have purposed me and gifted me to do. And then you work whatever's in your hand until your gifts begin to reveal itself. Or maybe you find yourself in this situation today. Say, Pastor, if I can be honest, I don't feel like I got any gifts. I've been in church my whole life, or I've never been in church. And like, what's my gifts? Like, I don't walk past people and they get healed. Like, I don't know how to prophesy. I can't speak in tongues. Like, I, I, sometimes I, I be questioning my faith. Like, I don't feel like I got gifts. Truth is, so many people want the gifts but they haven't graduated. God's a father who will always give graduation gifts to his children when they have done what he has required. You might not feel like you have gifts, and I would ask you, have you graduated? So what are you talking about? You can't access the gifts of the Holy Spirit without graduating. Graduating to what? Salvation in Jesus Christ. You can't have what he wants to give you if you have not first accepted the gift giver. You can't receive the gift if you have not accepted the person that gives the gift. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. 
Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.